Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who through adversity, grit, and persistence are forging the path of being the best version of themselves. And they join us to give you the tools to do the same. You guys are in for a treat today. I got my good man, my good buddy, somebody who hasn't been that long since I met him, but man, he is my brother from another mother. John Madsen, who is the CEO of Superhuman, founder of Superhuman, it's mindset slash fitness. And I do say mindset first because that's where it all starts. But John is a highly sought after consultant teaching high performance individuals and executive teams how to automate championship behavior. How many times you guys heard that? Those of you guys that have been around and get championship results. And for sure, he is leading the way in this. His clientele Ranges from Olympians, MLB, NFL, corporate execs, to just the ordinary dude who wants to win. If you guys don't, if you really want to know the truth, despite never playing a single down of high school football, John reached his childhood dream of playing in the NFL after playing at the University of Utah for legendary coach Urban Meyer. I'm going to leave it at that, man. John. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having this conversation with us, man. I know our people will be better because of it. Dude, I'm pumped to be here, man. Super, super excited. So I'm going to provide as much value as I possibly can, brother. Yeah, dude. It's it's evident, man. I, again, I, I, th- I think I've told you this before, and I want the audience to know this. You know, running a podcast and, and doing what we do with Optimal Self, you know, also being a, a professional baseball player in my past and a, and a professional CrossFitter and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I always get names, man, every day, which I'm sure you do too for your podcast. You know, names come across my desk and I'm usually pretty diligent about like, all right, let's check it out. Let's see it. And I just remember your name come across my desk. A a guy sent it to me, a buddy of mine, actually. And he's like, hey, man, I don't know if you know who this guy is, but you got to check him out. And I clicked on and of course, I think it started on Instagram. And you literally, you said in there that... And I, I don't want to quote, I want you to say it, but it was like, fitness is the gateway drug to ultimate success or something mm. of those lines, man. And I was like, I'm in like one line, I'm hooked. So where does that come from, from you? I mean, let, let's go back to the, to this for a second. Cause I mean, here you are, never played high school football, right. And now moving into the big time, like, where did it start, man? Where does this start for you? If I had to pick a starting point, man, it would be in ninth grade. So I just graduated ninth grade and I had played football from the time I was 10 years old all the way through Little League for me stopped at ninth grade. So the next step was high school football. That was going to be very natural. And the very first thing that we had to do was go through summer conditioning. So I graduate ninth grade. The very next day, I think, or the very next Monday, all of me and like five friends go up to the high school where we're going to go into this training program. Up until that point, never lifted a weight. I had just been an athlete, basketball, baseball, football, tennis, golf, like my whole life. That's what I did. And in this one moment, I got to the gym and there was this coach 
And he was like, look, what we're going to do is we're going to max out on bench and squat and deadlift and power clean. And there was little sophomores mixed in with seniors. And I looked around the room and I'm like, dude, these, some of these dudes have beards. Like they're, they're big. Right. And so I was a little bit intimidated. The weights were clanking. The music was loud. I can still like, I can, I can smell the, the rubber and sweat and the, here are the, the bars clinging around right now. Right. And so I was like, dude, I don't know how to have pain clean at all. So I'm just going to go over with my buddies, sit on that bench press and we start warming up. And up until that point, dude, I thought I was kind of the dominant, you know, one out of my friends never occurred to me that I wasn't because I was a good athlete. And, uh, we start warming up on the bench press. They throw 25s on each side. They do a couple reps still as warm ups. Anybody that knows that's only 95 pounds with an Olympic bar. I get down and it crushes me, dude. They lift it off and it literally crushes me. But it didn't just crush my sternum. It crushed my confidence. In that moment, like kids being kids, they're laughing. They're like, John, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, get this shit off of me. Right. And so I get up and I'm like, in that instant, I decided I can't play football this year, man. I'm like, I'm going to get hurt. I'm afraid. Right. I'm too small. I'm too weak. That inner voice was like really loud. And so I decide that I'm going to go home and tell my dad that I'm not going to play football. And then I also made another decision now. I'm like, instead of running from the weight room and just being like, oh, I'm going to go do something else. I'm like, I went home. I'm like, dad, you know, this happened at school, super embarrassing, but I want to get strong, man. Can you help me? Or can you get somebody that can help me? And he's like, yeah, like, so he orders weights. I start doing the body for life program with my dad. And I'm, I'm watching Bill Phillips stuff. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm into it now. Because I made a decision. I'm like, those dudes, dude, one day are going to see a strong and powerful motherfucker, right? And uh, I chased it. I kept chasing it. And so I worked out with my dad for a couple of months. He then, because I, I loved it, he signed me up with this local powerlifting dude at the, at the gym. And for the next three years, man, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 p.m., I'm at the rec center and I'm getting crushed by this dude, right? Just crushed but I love it. Like other parents are walking by looking at this guy who was training me and looking back, like, you know, it wasn't the most technically sound training. However, this guy knew what I needed at the time. And that was to, that was to go through it. And so I, I remember other kids, parents, like looking at this guy as I'm throwing up, just like, dude, go easy on him. And I'm like, I'm throwing up and I'm saying, don't go easy on me, bro. Like, cause every day I'm here, I'm getting closer to those friends. I'm getting closer to them, man. And I was a late bloomer. So like I grew really tall and I was a thin frame. So naturally I wasn't one of the strong kids. I had to earn every ounce of muscle that I put on my body. So I kept thinking I was going to play football, but I was, I was at this point, I was like six, five, 160 pounds, super skinny. But over years, it was like six, five, 175, six, five, 185 pounds at graduation. So although I was getting bigger, it was a little slow process. I was a basketball and baseball player too. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll play in the NBA professional athlete was always the dream. I didn't care which sport, but I graduated high school without a single scholarship offer for any sport. In baseball, I hurt my elbow as a pitcher. I couldn't pitch my senior year because I literally like, you know, as a baseball player, you know, that pain where it's like my hand just shakes when I'm holding up a, a baseball, right? So I have to DH half the year because I literally can't throw the ball at all. Basketball, we went one in 39. So my team was terrible. We literally, my junior year went 0 and 20, senior year one and one and uh, 19. So I graduate without any offers, but I, I had a tuition scholarship to a small junior college where I was like, 
I'm going to try out for all three sports, basketball, baseball, football. I got to walk on one of them. I don't care which one is going to happen, but football's first. And my dad's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I know I can play wide receiver. I can run. I can jump. I can dunk. I can 360. I mean, I know other kids that are coming to this school and I promise you I'm a better athlete. So anyways, I tried out, asked the coaches, told them that, told them my story. They're like, yeah, man, you can try out. We can't make you any promises. And I'm like, all I need is a shot, man. All I need is one shot. They gave me that shot. Two weeks into tryouts, they're like, you are not going to play basketball or baseball. Give up on that right now. If you go all in on this, there's no telling how far you can take it. And so that was like, that was confirmation, right? So I still got bigger and stronger in the weight room. I still worked on that relentlessly. I stayed after with a quarterback and learned how to run routes properly. And I just put all my put all my effort into this football thing, man. And after redshirting, because I didn't know how to play football that freshman year, I then played my redshirt freshman year at that junior college and then transferred to the University of Utah, played for three years. My junior year was uh, with Urban Meyer. We were fourth in the nation, won the Fiesta Bowl. Alex Smith was the quarterback. And that was kind of the catapult where eyes were on me to go to the NFL and uh, ultimately lived out a dream. I love it, man. And you touched on quite a few things, right? Because I think all of us in life, our stories are so similar, right? Mine was early on, you know, 13 years old. I uh, thought I was going to make the all-star team. My, my best friend's dad was our coach. And I was like, hell yeah, this is my year, man. You know what I mean? Like we won the championship. So he gets to choose two of the players, right? The rest of the coaches pick. And then the last two people he gets to choose. I'm like, man, we just won the championship. We, this is, he's like a dad to me, right? Like for sure I'm making it. And I did it. Mm. And I asked him that day, hey, why didn't I make it? And he looked me straight in the eye, 13 year old little boy. And he said, because you weren't good enough. Mm. And, you know, everybody takes that wrong. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Most people that are listening to this have heard the story before. I just, but our stories are very similar in the sense that it was that moment of crushed. You know, you obviously you use words like I was intimidated, right? Sophomore, the smells, the big, like all these guys, right? And here you are and it crushed your confidence, right? So I had to figure out on my own what's going to happen. And I remember I left there that day. I called my mom. I said, can you come pick me up? She came, picked me up and I was crying. And she was like, what's going on? I told her the story and she was like, we're going inside. Like I'm going, like I'm giving this guy, you know, like no one's going to tell my kid he's not good enough. Right. You know, like our moms would do. Right. And I was like, mom, I'm so embarrassed. Please, please don't go in there, please. Mm -hmm. And John, she, she stared at me in that car, just her and I in that car. And she looked me dead in the face and she said, you don't want me to go in there? And I said, mom, please, I'm crying, right? 13-year-old little kid. And I said, please, mom, please don't. And she goes, fine. What are you going to do about it? In those words, I still write them every day. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Today's a new day, right? All the shit that we've done, you going to the NFL, you doing scoring touchdowns, you winning Fiesta Bowls, all that shit. Like we can all, we can talk about this forever, right? They're cool accolades. They are. But you know what they mean today? Nice. Jack shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what about today? But she said that to me and I said, Hey, I said, mom, can we big five, those, you know, people not listening from all over the world or whatever, they won't know what that is, but it's the big sporting goods store when I was a kid, right? <laughs> today it's Dick's or whatever. And we went there and picked up and I got it and I walked in and she's like, what? like, she wanted to be like, let's go get ice cream. We'll just chill. Right. Let's go to the park and, you know, let's, you know, whatever. And I said, can I have that? I still, to this day, like you just said, I can remember, I know what I was wearing, 13 years old. 
that sign was on sale, $19.99. And it was a batting tee. And I said, can I please have that? And you know, mom, you, you have a young one when they, when you're, if you're going to, you're going to stop crying and be okay. And if I grab, if I, if I buy this, you're like, done, sold. Like, let's go up to the front. She's like, here you go, kid. Like, you know, and I made a vow that day. I'm going to hit a hundred balls off of that thing, rain or shine. And mm-hmm. when I say rain or shine, I used to go out there in the rain. I used to use tennis balls because it's so they wouldn't ruin my baseballs. I'd go over to the park and wait for people to hit the ball over the net. <laughs> you know what I mean? These bad tennis players. And I'd steal the tennis balls. I'd get them and I'd put them in my pocket and I'd run back home. <laughs> and so I had the big thing of all these tennis balls. But because if it was wet or if it was raining, I didn't want to ruin my baseballs. Mm-hmm. Every day, man. Every day. And here's where our two, where I think, and I want the listener to understand this, is where those two stories that you just told collide that are similar. And the word I want people to understand is time. You see, you were a sophomore. You had a redshirt year all the way to your junior class. So that's probably from a 14-year-old boy to maybe, what, 18 or 19 before you actually really, truly, physically were like playing somewhere. Yeah, there was, there was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, where yeah. that process was. So what, five years? Yeah. Right? Same yeah. thing, 13, when I was 13 years old, the next year, didn't know All-Star team. The yeah. next year, barely made the high school team. Barely. Right. I was getting water more than I was getting at bats. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the, By the time I was a senior, I led the team in hitting. I was the most valuable player. I made the top all-star team, and I got a scholarship to a Division I university. Mm-hmm. Right? But what I want people to understand is that we live in a world of, of immediate gratification today. If you or I, John, if you would have went in that one day and had a couple workouts with the guy and then ran back to the field and go, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. You got your ass kicked. Yeah. Right? Because I wasn't ready, but you were willing to put in the work for five years just to get that first little opportunity, let alone go to you know Utah and then go to the Raiders and all these things. And I, I think that's a really important piece for people to understand is that, and I, I think Bill Gates gets the credit nowadays on, on the internet, like you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in the next five or 10. But people will understand that, man, we just need to do the daily work, right? We got to be willing. <laughs> you said a word. I wrote it. You said it. You said, I made a plan, right? You went to your dad, got that trainer. I need to get stronger and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And then you said something while you were doing that is that don't go easy on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for easy. I'm looking for results. Mm-hmm. How many people right now are looking for easy? Yeah. Right. They want the secret. Jeremy, tell me the secret. John, please tell me the secret to a better life, to to a six pack, to a healthy, you know, whatever. They want some secret where here's the secret, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Do the work. Yeah. So coming full circle after the NFL career, I opened uh, my first gym and and I realized and how this happened was I was living in I was living in Arizona and I just got cut by the Cleveland Browns fourth year in. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, it was my football. Like I was getting kind of wore out, like hopping on jets and trying out for different teams. And so I'm at 24 hour fitness and I'm just staying in shape, not knowing when the next opportunity was going to come. And I watched these two boys come in that were in high school and they're wearing the high school football shirts and they're getting trained by this personal trainer. And they're doing a bunch of like ladder drills and stuff, dude. And in my head, I'm like, dude, I saw myself in these kids. And I'm like, 
they just wasted an hour, bro. I'm like, they just wasted a whole hour. Their parents don't know it. They don't even know it. Mm. And I'm like, I couldn't work out. And I had this flash. I'm like, dude, I got to go back home and I got to open up a performance gym for high school kids. And so I literally had a house in, in Arizona. I put it up for rent. I moved back to Salt Lake City where people still knew me. And I know nothing about business. My degree was in economics. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to coach these kids that are football players. And so I sign a lease. I throw down a ton of the NFL money that I, I had made on equipment and turf and all types of stuff. And I started building a business, right? And that's a whole other story. But my point is over the next eight years of my life, I was a coach in the performance world, right? And so my clientele then went from high school kids and I had NFL guys flying in to train them for combine stuff, major uh, world series champions. So I went like started here and then had a bunch of elite athletes. But the bulk of what I did was high school kids. And it wasn't just football, though. It was like basketball and baseball and all of it, male, female. And I realized in coaching these kids so much, so much, there was a lot of kids who were always the kids that were getting written about in the, in the high school paper. And they were always the, the four star recruits. And I learned over eight years. I'm like, dude, I like, you got to be careful because some people have that, you know, call it talent. I don't really believe in it. We can go back and they probably have put so many hours in, but some, some kids were naturally more gifted and more athletic than other kids and they developed earlier. Right. And so everyone told them how good they were. And so they get to high school and they thought they thought they were good and they might get a couple scholarships here and there. And almost nine times out of 10, those were not the kids that I could see. And I could see instantly, man. I'm like, dude, there was kids or there's still kids that I coached in eighth grade that are playing in the NFL today. Right. And I got them when nobody knew about them. And I could see it from the moment that they had something in their hearts that, dude, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if they got looked over. In fact, all of that just added fuel to their flame that was burning. And so, you know, I was kind of an underdog. You were kind of an underdog. But sometimes the kids that have the ability and have even more talent, they burn out early, man, because they never, they've never had to grind for it. As soon as the talent or the, or the skill level equals theirs, they shut down. Yeah. Where the other kids are like, they're used to that, bro. And so I, I take that mentality not only in sports, but as a coach, and then also in business, where what you just said is gold. It's the time and the commitment, right? It's, it's the commitment that you have to have in your heart to whatever dream that you have. Most people think they want it. It sounds nice to want it. And even a lot of these kids that I coached, like they would act like they wanted it for their parents because their parents was paying money. And they, like their dad would tell me how great their kids were. And I could see it in 10 minutes. I could see it in warmups. And I'm just like, the kid doesn't have it, man. Doesn't have it. Sometimes I get surprised. Very rarely, dude. Like I, I can see it in people and I can see it in business. And it translates so well. Like for me, I chase this purpose with such commitment and such desire that whatever I have to do to get there, it's irrelevant, right? To me, like I'll, I'll sprint if I have to, but I will freaking run this marathon and I will endure more so than any, everybody else will quit, bro. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that there was millions of kids that were more athletic, that were more gifted, that were more recruited than I was in high school. And every step of the way, they dropped out for whatever reason. They kept dropping out. They kept dropping out. You should have seen how shitty I was at football my redshirt freshman year. Yeah, I could run. 
and I made the team by literally telling the quarterback, like, hey, like, I don't know how to run routes. You just throw the ball up high and far, and I'll go get it. That's all I can do. I don't know how to read a defense. Don't ask me to run a dig route. Don't ask me to run a post because my routes are terrible, right? So I made it on this glimpse of athleticism, right? But I perfected it, dude. By the time I was done at Utah, like as a 6'5 guy, my route running was just crisp because I practiced so hard. And so whatever was necessary. So every step of the way, people would just kind of bow out, man. I believe your competition bows out. Like 95% of the people, you're going to win just by simply going further, right? I went from shitty to really good. And it took time, like you said, but it took commitment. It took commitment and relentless commitment, I should say, to see it through. Hey, listeners, it's Jeremy. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And I wanted to take a quick break from the episode and remind you that at www.optimalself.today, you can gain access to our free, and I say it, free identity creator course, plus right now two bonus downloads that will forever change the way you go to bed and wake up in the morning. Did I mention that this is all free? It is for a limited time. Thank you guys again for listening. And again, the website is www.optimalself.today. Now let's get right back to the episode. You said it, and I've heard you talk about this before, and I think it, I think it coincides with everything that you just said. And, and for the listener, right, is that we don't get what we want. We end up telling ourselves we get what we need. Mm-hmm. You've had a really, you talked about this uh, the other day on one of the calls we were on together about using the words, I just need. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying, you know, as we get into adults, because I was the same way, right? I owned a gym. I saw the kids. I was the kids, I mean, the kids who were going to the NFL, man, I knew that the moment, I knew that within the first day they came in. Mm-hmm. And they weren't always the best kids. And you're right. I tell people all the time the reason why I made it is because I was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because you can't measure heart. Right. And I always said to myself, you go ahead. I'm going to outwork you. Mm-hmm. I am. And guess what? I'm not going to let you know. I'm going to do it in the backyard by myself while all of you guys are trying to, you know, are drinking a beer behind the, you know, behind the stands or smoking a joint or whatever the cool thing to do nowadays is. Maybe you're a vapor if you're a young kid listening to this <laughs> and your friends are doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, please go do that. I know you're better. You're better than me right now. All those kids to bring it full circle on both stories is that years later, all those kids that made that team, they were all my friends because we were all baseball players, right? Like Mm -hmm. I grew up with these dudes. I still love most of them. They're still my friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And there was a day where six of those kids plus that coach came to a game that they bought a ticket to watch me play baseball. And we all went to dinner afterward. Yeah. And two of the kids are like, Dude, you are the last guy on any of these teams that we ever. I said, yeah, because all of you guys were better than me when mm-hmm. we were 13, mm-hmm. when we were 15. But guess what you didn't do? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we remember. And one of the guys told the story. He goes, do you remember that day we were in the parking lot? There was a house party. Like somebody's parents were gone, right? High school. Those of you guys who went to high school, you know that. Remember those? <laughs> remember those, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, their parents are gone. And, and oh, we're going to go. And there was this, you know, really cute girl that liked me or whatever, right? He's like, dude, she's going to be there. You got to come with us. And this was a Saturday. We had gone to the field, all the guys. We had practiced that morning. 
and we didn't have a game. And we were all sitting around and they were like, come on, this is what we're doing tonight. There was a game an hour away that this scout ran every Sunday morning at this park. Anybody could show up. They used wooden bats, right? Because we used aluminum in, in high school. And I used to go to this game all the time. Like I would get up. I would have to get up at six in the morning on a Sunday, drive out there. Because he was one of those guys that if you weren't on time, if he said be in the dugout at 8 a.m. and you showed up at 8.01, you didn't play. He just told you to leave. Even if they didn't have enough players, he would just do workouts. I don't give a shit if we have enough players. If you're here at 8.01, even if you're in the parking lot, doesn't count. You're not in this dugout. And so, and I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to the game in the morning. And I'm like, what? Come on, man. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, the friends of peer pressure. And the guy told the story. He goes, he goes, that was one of the days that I knew you were different because you were like, no, I'm like, dude, this girl is going to be there. There's, you know, there's it, no parents are home. We're 17 year old boys. Come on. Dude. Right. And I was like, no, nah, man, you guys go have fun, whatever. You know, I'm not doing, I'm going to this game. And I know if I go there, there's no possible way I'm going to make this game. There's no possible way, regardless of what it is. And I think for you too, like, I want people to understand is it wasn't a sacrifice. Like, what did I really miss? Drinking a, you know, a, a warm course because he spotted the Keystone. <laughs> you weren't you weren't rich enough to drink cores, dude. It was Keystone. Keystone, yeah, even better, right? Bush light or something, right? It's like, oh, come God. On, man. like God. you're crazy. Like we didn't we there, it wasn't a sacrifice. And so, but I want you to talk a bit, John, because I think it really helped our listener on the mentality of I just need as opposed to what we really truly what we want. Because we don't get what we want, right? We get what we tell ourselves that we need. Yeah, yeah, dude. And and even I think it'll make it even more clear because you said it and I was gonna intersect there too. See, a lot of people want to talk about that being like discipline. And to me, like I, I've spoke about this like for two years now, I feel like you and I have had this desire for something that's so much greater than the little thing that you might have to pass up that some people's like, oh man, that takes a lot of discipline. It does take a lot of sacrifice. And it's like, dude, it's not like, but it doesn't. Like we want that so bad that that's the whole point, right? And so as a coach, like I would always struggle coaching people. Like if they don't want it, what more can you do, right? You can try to battle their willpower and, and tell them they need to be more disciplined. But if they don't value it like you, they're gonna make other choices automatically, right? I remember literally we were on a, a slant, our house growing up, and I grew up in Salt Lake City. Across the neighbor, but across the road, it was flat, and they had a basketball hoop right in their driveway. And every single, it felt like every day, man, like I'd get home, throw my backpack down, go play basketball. Like I was in the neighbor's, I was on the neighbor's driveway every day, dude. It would be snowing. And I would knock on their door and say, Hey, can I shovel your driveway so I can play basketball? And they look at me like I was crazy, dude. It'd be like 20 degrees. The wind would be blowing sideways. And I'm out there in my winter stuff, shoveling snow from my neighbor's house so that I can play basketball with an icy basketball outside. I didn't want to do anything else. Right. And so a lot of times I think people get in trouble by fooling themselves that they want something. It, it sounds nice to act like they're shooting for something. But if they don't really want it, right, it's going to be a rough road. It's going to be a rough road. 
because there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be the stuff that you have to say no to. There's always going to be stuff that might sound fun, but it's like to the true, to the people who want it more than anything, it's like, that's not even a choice. Like I've already made up my mind. That's why I talk about mindset so much before I talk about fitness. I've made a lot of money in fitness this past year. And I look around and I'm like, I'm probably the guy that makes the most money in fitness that I know of who talks about fitness the least. Like all the other guys, dude, like I, I go to these masterminds and every day they're like posting video of them working out and they're doing like form videos. And it's like, that that's cool. Like I have no problem with it. And they're like, John, why don't you do some of that stuff? And I'm like, because I feel like I'm wasting my breath. If I'm telling people to do stuff before they make up their mind to do it, then I'm literally like, it doesn't matter right? It doesn't matter anything else I say. And so I built this movement with superhuman to be like, the very first thing I need to change is a person's mind. And you've seen some of the transformations that have come through. And that's the reason I help them change their mind so that they make it up in their mind so that all those obstacles and sacrifices, they're dude, they're on the straight and narrow. They're like, nah, dude, I, I want that so bad that like that, that dinner is not important. Right. And so the desire is important. And then the second thing you wanted me to hit on is you don't get what you want. You get what you settle for, right? And so most people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. They have a vague understanding of what they want. Dude, like this is a zoomed up thing on my face, but I have a vision board there. That's like the thing that I can see on my screen is a hundred million dollars, right? It's like, I know what I want. And it's not just about money. There's a bunch of other pictures. That's just the only one that can be seen right now, right? There's a picture of King Leonidas with a six pack. There's a picture of a family. There's a picture of houses and planes and different cars that I've checked off the box, right? But I know exactly what I want. Most people don't get what they want because A, they're not clear about what they want or B, they feel guilty or undeserving of what they want, which is another problem, right? Or C, they've given up on what they want because of whatever reason or however many times they failed in the past. You and I don't care about failure, bro. Like I felt so many times. I felt so many times, dude, so many times I felt like a failure. But no matter if I'm scared, no matter if I have doubt, no matter if I don't believe in myself in the moment, I keep showing up. I just show up every day like you did hitting those balls. And so let's say that a person does know what they want. Well, a lot of times in the video I, you're alluding to is like, I hear people say all the time is, I just need. So they're like, I want this, but I just need this. And so to me, it's like, you'll always get whatever you settle for right? So if a person's like, I want to live, oh, it would be nice to live at the foot of the mountains or on a beachfront property, but it's like $4 million or wherever you live, right? Like I live in, in Scottsdale. So there's some ritzy areas in Scottsdale in California. You want to live right on the beach. Like it's, dude, it's, it's a lot of money, right? So it's like, I want that. However, I just need something else, right? And so they forget about the possibility of, of somebody's got to live there. I mean, if somebody's living in those houses and paying for them, my belief is why not me? Other people's like, that's for those people. So I'll, I'll settle for something less. But see, they don't settle for some things because it'd be like, okay, cool. Like I'll go, I'll go inland, right? And it'll be cheaper and I can still drive to the beach in 15 minutes. All good, right? And they settle for that, which is fine, right? Good life, picket fence, a couple of nice cars, all good. However, other people have that as like, that's the goal, but they settle for less. They're like, well, I just can't live in the ghetto. I just can't live in these neighborhoods. So it's like, I don't need that, John. I don't need the suburbs and the Mercedes. I'll drive whatever I drive 
and you know live even farther in where the schools aren't so good, but it's, it's still safe, right? And so at every level, you have people settling for what the bare minimum they'll settle for. And they play that game on, they play that game with everything, where they live, what they drive, where their kids go to school, the anything that they want, vacations, right? It's like, I want the five star, but I can settle for three, but fuck that. I'm not going to settle for one. So it's like, they're not going to stay at Motel 6, but they'll stay at Holiday Inn Express, right? Dude, the only difference I see from people, because I tried to figure this out for so long, they hang around people that are so successful, they make my business look like a lemonade stand, right? It's like, I told my wife this the other day, I was hanging around a guy who has two planes and I'm like, dude, like, I feel like my little shit is a lemonade stand on the street. It's all good. I'm relentless though. I'm like, I'm, I'm coming for you, right? So my point is that all these people though are just settling for whatever they need. And the only difference between my friend who has the two planes and myself or anybody else is that at some point they've given themselves permission to go after everything they want and not settle for anything less than what they deserve. And they believe in their heart of hearts that they deserve everything, that they deserve everything. And everybody else doesn't feel deserving. They don't feel worthy. They feel like an imposter and they feel whatever they feel about it. And so they just settle for whatever the bare minimum of what they need is. And you get to choose. We get to choose, right? And so when I when I start this movement with Superhuman, I talk to people, I'm like, stop settling, man. Like, you might not get it tomorrow. Right. You might not make it to the big leagues next year, but dude, like, what if you put everything into it for the next 20 or the next 10? I'm I'm sure you'll probably get there in half the time. Right. But they just think it's not possible. So they just stop trying, settle for what they're going to settle for. And then the words that describe reality. And I know this when I talk to people, I just need, I just need, man. I don't need that. I just need this. I'm like, cool. Well, congrats. You just told your future. And I promise you, you'll just get that. Right. I never use those words. I'm never going to say I just need. I'm going to tell you exactly what I want, no matter how far in the distance it is. And if I don't have it yet, if I couldn't afford something, right, like a plane, I'll be like, yeah, I can't afford it yet. Very powerful word on the end of there. Yet. Presupposing that someday that won't be a problem. Wow. That, yeah, man, that's a, that's a very important word at the end of the sentence. Cause it, cause you can use those words, right? I can't afford it yet. Or, and, and again, it goes back to, to both of us, right? As young, as young boys, young, you know, adolescents, it's like, I'm not good enough yet, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here I come. My parents, my parents would never use those words, right? It'd be like, oh, we can't afford that. Like, I'll, like me and my wife never say that shit. Never. Like, never. I wouldn't even say I can't afford it yet. I would just be like, not yet. Like, I'm not even going to speak that shit, right? Yeah, my, my, or, yeah, I heard it a lot. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's the belief systems that people don't realize. And so I really try to break them out of that. Or, you know, my business isn't there yet, right? If I'm speaking to somebody here and they're talking to me, like, I don't feel bad. I don't feel like when I was making a joke about the lemonade stand, I'm like, but it's just a not yet thing, man. I'm like, yeah, not yet. I got stuff to learn. I'm not there because I have stuff to learn, right? So if you take that approach, it's like this, it embodies like this growth mindset and everything that we do. And that's the magic. Every time we fail, every time we come up short, it's just like, I have something to learn so that I can ascend to the next level. Plain and simple. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. You said a couple of things and I want to, because with Optimal Self and the things, you know, our, our clients, they've, 
Because I always get the motivation question, like, Jeremy, how are you so motivated? How do you meal prep and go to the gym every day or get the workouts in? Man, how do you stay motivated? And I always tell them motivation is bullshit. First of all, I'm not motivated. Like I'm anti-motivated. Like I don't even look for motivation. Like I don't give a shit about motivation because I believe most people don't lack motivation. They lack clarity. And you step, you, you, you started to talk about that a bit where, where being clear on your goal, like, again, I knew where I was going. I wanted to be a division one athlete. I wasn't settling for anything else. Like whatever it took, like it didn't matter. Like I watched those guys. Cause when I was a young boy, I watched, I watched in Omaha, Nebraska in the summertime, I'd watch that college world series and I'd hear them talk about these dudes. And I was like, yo, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I want you to see me. I want to walk on those fields and I want 50,000 people screaming. I want to hear my name. People ask all the time, like, Hey, do you, what do you miss? I said, you know what I miss? I miss the national anthem. I miss that opening of it. Like when your heart is beating out of your fucking chest and you know, and I was a leadoff hitter. So if we're a visiting team, I love standing and I love standing on that circle, man, waiting to be the first person waiting that national anthem goes off and they say, play ball. And they say, now batting the second baseman or shortstop, whatever I was playing that year and hearing that, that I fucking miss, man, like more than anything, the game and the money and the travel and whatever, like not so the business, hell no. Like those are the things that I miss. And to be honest, John, i thought about those things as a kid. Like those are the same things I thought I would hear. I would turn up the volume because I wanted to hear them announce those dudes. And I would think I want my name to be. And you know what I would do after that? I'd get my ass up and I'd go outside and I'd hit balls off that tee. This brings up a good point. People always say practice, right? Mm -hmm. And I watched kids practice. People mindlessly practice. You inserted yourself in it, dude. Like when I was on the neighbor's driveway, I wasn't just shooting, dude. Mm -hmm. Like I was in the all-star game against MJ (laughs) as John Madsen. And I'm like, I'm by myself though, not with any friends. And I'm like hitting fadeaways. And I'm like, three, two, one, bam. And I'm like walking off the court, like staring at Jordan, right? And so if people were like, I can just picture like people looking out the window, like what is that kid doing, dude? Like I was in a different, I was in a different world. Yeah. Think of how powerful your mind is, right? It was like, I was a magnet to my dreams. Like that's the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And so some people's like, I don't believe in the law of attraction. What do you mean? I'm like, dude, the law of attraction is working for you, whether you believe it or not. It's working in your favor or working against you, right? It's like, you guys are so consumed about what you don't want to happen. You're attracting that shit every day. I'm inserting it myself into my world. And that's like, I'm manifesting that. And I, you and I, you just said it, dude, you did it as a kid. See, I did it as a kid too. And it took me years to find that again. Like after I was done, I was like, how did I do that, bro? Like there's something crazy. I did it with my wife. She was a news anchor in, in Salt Lake city. And I looked at her, I'm like, I don't even watch the news. I saw her face on TV. I'm like, dude, that girl's got a beautiful face. And I just, I, I'm like, I looked at it and I'm like, no chance that we're like, I'm not going to track that in my life. Right. And people think that's crazy, but it's like, I'm very clear about what I want. And you're bringing that experience. And so, you know, some kids practice and they shoot free throws, but other kids are immersed in it. Some kids hit 100 balls off the tee. Other kids are immersed in it, dude. And it's like in business, like you got to immerse yourself in it too. And so 
there's different levels of this, right? It's not just checking the boxes. It's literally like feeling it and having such desire. You're like seduced to do whatever it is. You said, I want to hit on this motivation thing because it's interesting because I've been through stages. I'm like, yeah, dude, motivation sucks. Like who gives a shit, right? And I actually get that point. But there's also, I would challenge and push you back a little bit. I'd be like, dude, you had so much desire for the thing that you were motivated in a like roundabout way to like do all this stuff. Even in your body, if it's like meal prep and the workouts, it's like, I don't necessarily feel in the moment that I want to hit those five sets of 10 squats. It's like, ah, no, but I'm so motivated for the result. I call it towards motivation that like, it's almost like that desire, just like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like we're so, we're so immersed in like what we want out of it. Like that's just that, like we're bought into the process because it, it is what it takes. And so I think that people struggle with motivation because motivation is a feeling, right? And so if I asked you or asked any of your listeners, if they could ever remember feeling supremely motivated before, let's talk about it in terms of fitness. They'd be like, yeah, I, I, I know when I've done that before. And it's like, if you could have your favorite plate of food in front of your face, if you're motivated and you're like, and your mind is right, you're like, no, nah, I don't want that lasagna tonight. I'm like, I'll eat this chicken breast. I don't, in fact, I'll eat pickles. I don't even give a shit, right? But when you're not motivated, if you're tired, if you're frustrated, if your emotional state's everywhere, you've had a hard day, it's like in that moment, you're, that lasagna's there, you're like, F50, like I had a bad day, like I'm just going to eat it. And so motivation is important because the feeling then pres- like is the precursor to the behavior. But motivation is fleeting. Like it's like momentary, like it can happen, it can change like this. And so I think the people that have been super successful that I've seen are so it's so motivated towards this result or the dream, right? So they're just like being pulled like a magnet to do whatever it takes. Other people are good at being motivated away from the pain, which is like moving away from something. I'm so sick and tired of being fat and out of shape. Like at a certain point, they're like, man, I just got to Like, I got to lose this 20 pounds. And the problem with only being motivated like that is that it it's good for like that initial burst but it's like, as the farther you get away from it, the lower your motivation gets, right? And so it's like, these people do good and lose the 20 pounds and then they slide back always. So they always go from bad to average back to bad. And it's this vicious cycle where the champions are like so motivated for something so exciting. They can't, they, like, it's like seduction for them. It's like, they can't get enough. And so it just keeps pulling them and it keeps pulling them and it keeps pulling them. And they can never go back very far, dude. That's why your body's always going to stay on point. It's like, in a sense, you are super motivated for the thing. And you're just, you've accepted whatever you have to do to, to keep tasting that feeling. So we're saying the same thing. I love it. Yes. And thank you for saying it that way. Cause I hope, cause again, I can say it to people all the time when they hear it from you that way, I think it helps because I help. uh, We are saying the exact same thing. You're using it as like everything that you said, those champions, those moments, People were absolutely motivated for that result. I'll also say it to you this way. They were very clear. They had absolute clarity on where they were going. So there's no question if I'm eating the lasagna or the, or the chicken breast. It's not, it doesn't even equate because I'm like, the lasagna is not even, it's not even close to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. That. It's gone. It's instantly yeah. gone, right? Because I'm I'm massively clear on it. And if that's motivation, awesome. Like how it whatever resonates, yeah, whatever resonates means that. And that is so, 
spot on. Like, I, I think about it. it. How can you be motivated towards something if you don't know what that is? What the fuck it is? Yes, exactly. You know, so mm-hmm. that's the point. Is like, for whatever reason, you and I like we we know that fitness gives us something, right? It's not just about walking around with a six pack on the beach. Like we like that, but it's it's something that even if we can't articulate it it gives us that edge that then gives us that charisma that then gives us that ability to influence a room that status is at play and all the stuff power is at play. And it's like, we, we know that. And so it's like, that's easy for us. People struggle when they're not clear about like what it is that's going to give them. Right. It's like, Oh, my doctor said I should do this. It's like, nah, dude, like good luck. Or, ah, you know, I want to be, I want to be around for my kids. It sounds noble. It sounds noble, dude. And as much as I love my daughter, like you see, if anyone watches this, I take pictures with my daughter. Like I just spent a whole morning with her. She's my everything, right? But I'm not doing it for her, dude. I'm not. I'm not doing it for my wife and I'm not doing it for anybody. I'm doing it for me. That's how I made it to the NFL, dude. Like I did it for me, for whatever those reasons were. And some people think that selfishness is like, you know, some terrible word and they want to be selfless. I'm like, I know if I do me the best that I can possibly do, everybody's going to benefit and that ripple effect is just going to keep on going. So the people that try to not be selfish in the name of selflessness are always the ones that can't get their shit together. Always. Always. We find it every, I mean, every day in both the businesses from when I get people stepping into my real estate office and they, and they want to make a million bucks and I'm like, I got the plan. I can show you how to get there. Right. Or they call from when we do optimal solve and we're working on the mindset and we're, we're talking about all these things. It's the same thing. The person who tells me I'm doing it for my kids, I know immediately we're not going very far. Not that fire isn't going to burn enough. It's bullshit. And people are afraid to say that. And, and I'm glad that you said that because I say it all the time. I'm like, that's bullshit. Because if you can't take care of yourself, there's no possible way you're going to be able to take care of your kids. No way. No way. And guess what? They're watching what you do way more than what you say. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't take care of yourself, the words that you use... That's what they're hearing. You can say it to them, but they're watching what you do every day, man. That's way more important. I want to touch on this a little bit because I think it's something that I want to get your take on this. Because we talk about fear and doubt, right? People have that all the time. And the other side for me is focus. And I always say it this way, and I, and I want your take, is that they're exactly the same. And here's what I mean by that. Fear and doubt, right? Let's just use those. And then focus, like extreme focus, people that are like, and you can even throw discipline if that's the word you want to use, whatever, like whatever that word is. And I tell people, I said, do you know they're exactly the same? The fear and the doubt is you are thinking about, because it's all mindset. It's good. You're thinking about what you don't want. So I'm fearful, right? I'm at the edge of this cliff and I don't want to fall, right? And so I'm like, right, whatever. I don't want my business to fail. I don't want my relationship. Like I'm focused on what I don't want. And so I have this fear or this doubt in myself or in whatever it is. But then the other side of that is focus to get where you want. And all when I have when I have extreme focus, when I'm on, it's because all I'm focused on is on what I want. I'm very clear and there's nothing stopping that. If people can just understand that little switch, that little switch that we reframe, like, why are you feeling that way? Because you're focused on what you don't want. You Mm -hmm. don't want that result. You're scared of it. Oh, I don't want to fail. Oh, I don't want to let my my person down. I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to, oh, I don't want to look like an idiot. Mm Because you're focused on what you don't want. Mm -hmm. What do you, if you can just reframe it to what you want, 
man, the focus, the clarity, that fucking thing just lasers in. And I, I know for myself, that's when I'm at my best. That's probably the most important lesson that if I had a lesson, if I had a lesson to leave this earth with, hmm. it, would, it would be that, you know? And it's funny because I do, like I've, I've read, I, I can't even tell you how many hundreds of books over the past 10 years trying to, because just to let your listeners know, like at the end of my NFL career, I remember having 300K in my bank account, like 26 years old. My career was, the, I got cut at the end of my 26th year, right? Um, not 26 year in the NFL, but 26 years old. And I buy a house in Arizona, put 100K down. So now I'm at 200. And then I start living the way that I was living, not extravagant, but also, you know, I'm like 10K a month in expenses. And I'm watching this money go down and I'm like, damn, this is not going to be good. Right. And then I'm like, I'm going to run this business. So I sign a lease. I get a bunch of equipment. Now all of a sudden my money's at like a hundred K. Right. And then I don't know anything about business. So the first 10 months, I'm like trying to get clients and have no idea how to get them. And so I'm paying for business expenses and living expenses. And I'm just watching this, this downward deal, dude. So I watched my money go to zero because I was just focused on like going to zero. Right. And so a lot of people see me now and they're like, oh, John was this NFL player. No, 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 dude. Like that shit was gone at 28 years old. Like they were like starting at zero, even worse. Like I had it and then lost it. Right. And then I build this business that I was grinding. And so I'm like, I've read every personal development book you can possibly think of. Right. And they all say this. And I heard it a thousand damn times, what you just said, the focus part. And I was like, I read it or I say it or Jeremy says it. My hope is like, like, I hope you guys get it. It sounds so easy, focused on what you don't want instead of focusing on the fear of what you don't want. And I never got it. I never got it until like three years ago. And as soon as I got it again, I realized that that's how I made it to the NFL anyways. This is how the law of attraction actually works, right? And people's like, well, how? Because what you focus on expands. And it's not, it's, and, and you hear that all the time too, but, but literally how? We could talk about this in terms of quantum physics. If you go on YouTube and you... Google the double slit test, the observer effect, and you can like take this lateral chunk. You're like, oh my God, like it's all waves and what we focus on turns to particle. So it's all out there. Possibility is out there, but what we focus on turns into reality. And it's like, okay, now, now we're trying to go deep into quantum physics, but it's also you have the reticular activating system in your brain. You focus on possibility or what you want and you see opportunity, right? And it's your unconscious mind just filtering shit out for you. And so for eight years of my business life, I was focused on what I didn't want, right? Or focused on only what I would settle for, right? And I was just stuck. I was just stuck. And then boom, someone shifted my perspective and really taught this to me and, and like made me learn it. And I'm like, all I do now is focus on what I want. And then my behavior changes and possibilities come out of nowhere. And I meet the right person at the right time, even if business isn't going the way that I ultimately want it to in certain months, it's like, it's all good, right? And something else pops up and it's just like, I'm a magnet and I'm, I'm, I'm an attractor and it's subtle. The focus on what you want is literally everything. It's the thing that I'm going to teach my daughter. Like I teach her now when she's three and I'm going to continue teaching her every single day for the rest of my life. And all my clients, I, I say it every time we get on the calls. I'm like, I feel like I say the same thing. But what you just said, is literally everything. It's everything. People focused on what they don't want or what they settle for, and they get exactly that. It's not magic, right? It's not magic. You plant a tomato plant, you get a tomato plant. It's like you're planting the seed and you're getting the, the plant. We're just planting magic. 
we're just planning everything that we want without constraint, without limitation. And then we're, we're fertilizing that shit with, des- with, uh, deservingness. Like I deserve it. And it's just like your life can change. Your life can change from this one conversation. If you, if you really grasp what I'm trying to say. No question. No question. And, and it goes back. You and I both talk a lot about this is what you've created in the guy that I watch, right? The guy that I get to talk to and, and, and chat with that I see today. When you say, okay, I, I shifted to what I want. And now that's your identity. Like I'm that guy. This is the guy I am. Who am I? Well, who am I? I'm the guy that focuses on what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like it's now so ingrained in your cells, in your being that it's almost impossible to go that other route. So the moment that it happens, it's so easy to reframe. See, most people, they fall in that trap is they say those things and they start to work on it a little bit, but they don't take the time, right? They don't take, it's, this is not an accident. This is every damn day. And it's not a long time. It's not like, oh, I have to sit for hours in you know this monastery you know, with no Swiss silence. No, it's not. It's every day when I wake up, I put my feet on the ground. I say what I'm grateful for. I take my deep breaths. That's my meditation, right? That moment. And I feel it. And I really feel those gratitude moments. I really look around that room. I really look out that window and, and, and see it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, what a fucking great life I have. Like mm-hmm. that, that true gratefulness. And then it's like, all right, yesterday doesn't matter. Let's mm-hmm. go crush today. Like, let's make this happen. And so... Can you go a little bit deeper? Because you talk about it so well about how you created that identity now that that's who I am. Because it's not always who we've been, right? Or we have been because we've da- we've we've got to, to to high success. We got to you got to the NFL. You've you now run a multi 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 million dollar business. You've you've built it from scratch, right? Like the success is there, but the identity of who you are allows you to still be a great husband, a great father, right? A great leader to others. That's because that's part of who you are now. Mm-hmm. And that all stems from the deep-seated who the fuck I am. How did you get there? Yeah, man. And it, it, this all ties together right here. If you look at our screen and it's like, you see, you know, if they're watching it live, they have you on one side, me on the other side. Imagine though, that like your identity as you would be on the left side of the screen, right? So it'd be like, that's John today, right? And see, everyone wants to like go to work on that guy and like, you know, worry about what he did wrong and like all the mistakes that he's made and all the failures. And like, that's how 90% of people go through life is like, they have this distorted image of themselves and they think about all the stuff that they didn't do right or all the reasons why they don't deserve to have a certain life or the street they grew up on or the side of town they grew up on and all this stuff that they were told is like, that's, that's you today, right? You're representing your your external reality is just a representative of what you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so what I want people to do is like, think about the right side of the screen, right? That's completely blank, empty canvas, empty canvas. You get to create it. You literally get to create it. So we're not improving it, right? I'm not improving old John. I'm literally saying, what do I want? This, see, this clarity is everything. Like, what do I want? Who am I going to be? What are the attributes that I have? What am I going to look like? What am I going to feel like? What's my emotional state or personality going to be? Where am I going to live? What kind of car am I going to drive? What kind of clothes am I going to buy? Right? It's like, I get to craft that. And as long as I'm clear about it, 
I start acting out of the future self instead of the past self. It's not acting as if it's like I'm creating, I'm creating a new identity, right? And so many people are so tied to where they were born or what city they grew up in or what their teachers told them or about, you know, labels of being an introvert or a this or a that. And it's like, at some point, all of those things are just decisions that you either decided or had somebody decide for you, right? I used to say that I'm not the type of person who did this, or I'm, I'm not an extrovert, or I'm just this. And it's like, dude, I can be whatever I want to be, right? And sometimes a really powerful way to do that is like you take yourself out of the city you grew up in and you move somewhere else, right? But if you do it wrong, all of the past shit just follows you and you move city to city and you never change because you keep thinking it's the people or the place and it's you right? But if you do it the right way, that could be an actually good way to shift if you're like, no, like I understand it's me. I'm going to insert myself into somewhere where nobody knows me and I can be somebody completely else. It's like, you know, people in the, in professional sports that like they can't ever get away from being the professional baseball player. And then they go on down spiral and just want to talk about that for the rest of their life, right? Like I'll use my story as a, as a story of power to the NFL, for like with the NFL, but I got tons of buddies who have Super Bowl rings, and have played 10, 12 years. And they're just like, they're coming to me for advice. They're like, John, like, what should I do? I'm like, you've got to give up that Super Bowl ring and all that bullshit, put it in the trophy case, let people come over and say how cool it is. But that's not you, dude. That's not you. That's, that's old you. What are you fucking doing now? Right. And I'm like, that success early can be detrimental later on. If people aren't careful, just as much as like the, the failures of people can anchor them to an identity that's not going to serve them. So we just need to understand that we construct it. A great book that goes into detail that that I've read multiple times that I didn't understand until I finally got it like five times in is uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, right? He doesn't say improve. It it talks about self-image psychology. And this is an incredible book. If you go deep into it, he's talking about creating a new one, creating a new face creating a new everything. And it's like, that's powerful, right? We're not just going to improve incrementally. You guys get to craft and construct who you want to be. And then you get to act out. And before you know it, maybe it takes a year, maybe it takes five, doesn't matter. Like we're, we're constantly going through this process. And so you and I, you're right. It's not sitting down and being like a monk, but you have to clear your mind of all the bad stuff, right? If you're watching TV news for 30 minutes every night and you're just going on social media and looking about looking at how the world's going to fall apart and you're filling your mind with all the negativity, like you're in an emotional state that can't produce what you want it to produce. So like you always say, are you hydrated, right? Are you drinking clean water? Are you breathing clean air, right? Are you thinking pure thoughts? Are you filling your mind with inspiring words like the book I just mentioned? Are you closing your eyes and being gratitude for five minutes or two minutes, right? Are you thinking about the future, John, for two minutes or 30 seconds, right? Or are you just going through your day and reacting? So it's like this intentional practice. It's like, I can't put a time limit on it. You don't got to do it, you know, like every single day. You're just not sitting there. But I protect my water, my air, my thoughts, my body, my food, right? Because if I feel like I am deserving of all of the all of the good stuff. I'm going to act deserving in other ways. And I get what I want because I focused on it. So it all works together, right? And part of that quietness is you get quiet about what you really want, not what your parents think you should want, not what your spouse thinks you should want, not what your neighbor thinks you should want, 
but what you want, right? What you want. You don't have to want a Lamborghini, right? But it doesn't make you a greedy person if you do. So it's like, I want what I want and unapologetic about what my true desire and ambition is because I'm not doing it for anybody else. Like I, I'm, I'm aligned with what I want. Well said, John. I hope people heard that is I protect my water. I protect my air. I protect my food. And more than anything, as you went on, what I, you protect your energy. Mm. All of us, our energy is, you know, I, I always use the phone analogy because everybody has one and you plug it in the night before, right? And, and you leave it on there. And the moment that you unplug it, whether you get on it, whether you don't get on it, whether you just, it just sits there, it's burning energy. And, and, that mo- and, and that goes for all of us. And if we're not protecting our energy, if we're not intentional about our lives, if we don't take those moments and, you know, how many people stand in front of their closet and spend 40 minutes trying on different shit to go to work. Like by the time they leave the house, their fucking energy bar is at 60%. You can't live there because fatigue makes cowards of us all. And so protecting your energy, planning ahead, being intentional, being purposeful about the air I breathe, the water I drink, the, the food that goes inside, the, the things I listen to, the things I watch, nothing is by accident. It can't be. Because that's what starts to creep everything in. I, I know you believe this. Like p- people don't understand that being a hundred percent committed with it, optimal self, we call it a hundred or nothing. I tell them, like literally, it's a hundred or nothing. If you're not giving it one hundred, I just prefer you don't do it. Mm-hmm. So if it's going to be clean. Wa- you got to wash the dishes today. Wash them the best that it can be done. The best that you've ever done. It. Clean every fucking dish. Put them away. Do whatever. It, like do it the best that it can be done. Make your bet. I mean, it's simple things because we're teaching ourselves in those moments. You're the teaching yourself to be great or you're teaching yourself to be average. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. You might think this doesn't matter, but ladies and gentlemen, everything matters. Every little thing you say, every little thing that you do, do it the best that you can possibly do it. Because if you can give 100%, then in every situation, because here's the thing, even if you're 99%, if you're like, I'm 99% committed, 99 out of 100 times, I make that decision. Then you're not truly, you haven't really truly made the decision because now circumstance and environment is going to dictate what you do. This happens a lot with food. You and I talk about this and especially in, in your group, we see guys you know, all the time that struggle with these moments. It's like, oh shit, but I'm with the boys and it's a, you know, it's his birthday party and I got, oh man, and there's chicken wings and fucking beer. And it's like, because you're not committed because you're, you're 99%. So the circumstance, so the circumstance or the environment dictates how you act. This is the strength, brother. This is where we decide. Like I've already made the decision. So it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter who I'm sitting next to. It doesn't matter if that guy's having a drink. And I've said to myself, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to have water. Oh, come on, buddy. Just a fucking beer. What's the matter? Like, look. I've already made the decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the circumstance isn't going to determine how I act. That's our power, man. That's the power that we have given up. That I see so many people give up is mm-hmm. on their decision making. Wait, somebody else is making that decision for you? Come on, man. Like, oh. 
Yeah. I mean, I think in everything, man, real, the real thing is exactly what you said, the decision. It is the decision. It starts and ends with the decision. Until the decision is made, everything else is bullshit, right? It's like, <laughs> well, we'll be on this roller coaster and, and get some result and then go back. And it's like, until a person decides, right? And that's part of, to tie it all up, that identity, deciding on how you're going to live and who you're going to be. Everything else is just reactionary, right? There's people who live truly intentional and then there's people who are going to react. And look, I'm not a coach that thinks that you have to be a perfect human being every single you know, day for the rest of your life. However, over the course of time, that decision is so forefront in your mind, you are now going to operate automated, right? That's why I say automate your behavior as a person who almost always makes the right decision. And even when they don't, it's like, okay, you learn from it and then you keep moving. Other people are just like 50-50 guys, 50-50 girls, right? It's like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, right? Like you said, circumstance or environment decides for you. We're going to stack the deck so that that behavior is automated in our favor, which always goes back to the very first thing that we always say is being clear about what that outcome actually is. Yeah, man. I love it. All right. We got a couple minutes. I, I want to finish because the, the, the people love this. I always get great comments. So these are quick hitters. You've already touched on, on both of them pretty much, but uh, I'm just going to give it to you. You just shoot off how it hits you, what you think about it. So the first word is impact. What's your impact, man? Where do you, how, do you, how does that word hit you? And, and what is the impact you want to leave on the world? Impact. I love, dude, I, I love impact. To me, when I think of impact, I think of ripple effect. So, or the butterfly effect, right? I'm going to impact as many as people as I possibly can, but that impact doesn't stop with them. It goes into their, their circle and their circle and maybe their kids and maybe, and who knows how far it goes. Like, I don't even know. So I live my life with intentional impact, knowing that I don't even know how powerful that is. Hell yeah. Well said. And the last one, discipline. Where is it in your life? How do you get it? How do you use it? How does that hit you? My core philosophy, a lot of what I said is that with great desire, the discipline needed is somewhat irrelevant. And so with great desire, discipline needed will be small because like we just talked about, if you just want it worse than anybody else, then you'll do whatever it takes and the discipline won't even feel like discipline. It'll just feel like the way, right? If you have small desire, you don't know what you're playing for, you don't know what you want, the discipline needed is going to be insurmountable. You will quit. And so the people who rely on discipline usually are playing a game that, that, that they need to check and see if that's the right game they should be playing, right? It would be like uh, me trying to run marathons to prove to myself I can run a marathon, right? It's like, I don't like to run. I don't like to run. So the discipline needed to finish a marathon I could probably do it and grind my teeth, but I'm going to hate every second of it, right? And like some people get off on that stuff. They like it, right? I would rather play, play a different game. I don't like marathons. It does nothing for my business or my career or my family or nothing. So like, I don't like, why win that medal, right? So for me, I'm going to know exactly where that desire needs to be created so that the discipline is somewhat easy. Working out five times a week for me, some would say discipline. I just desire a certain type of life and a certain type of body and a certain type of high performance feels so much that it's like, that's inevitable. To me, the discipline there is like super small. I can pass up the food. I can pass up the drinks. I can live in a way that gets me to that result. And so I like the word discipline. It's not that I don't like it. I just think that 
if you're going to battle your willpower, it's probably a, lo- a losing proposition over time. I would consider asking yourself what you're really playing for, right? And if you can fall in love with that, then you'll do whatever it takes, man. Dude, that is, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. I, I appreciate it. There's so many nuggets in here. This this conversation has, I mean, I, I know the people out there, I know the responses. It's It's fun to hear, man. And I just truly, from the bottom of my heart, man, I want to say thank you because, mm. you know, what people don't realize about doing things like this or stepping into what you have done in your life, whether it be on a football field. I hope people get to hear the story about Urban Meyer berating you and, and all yeah. that because it's a really cool story. And, I, and we'll, we'll have that one for another time. But what people don't really truly understand about being in these positions and in, in, in the position that you've chosen to be in, regardless of the financial gains and, and what you can do, is it is a very, very, it's the most vulnerable position you can be in because you put yourself out there for the critics, right? Because that's that's what most people are nowadays, right? Especially with social media. And so, you know, one of the things that I truly love and adore about what you do, my adoration for you is that you've stepped into your greatness unapologetically and in a way that you are so vulnerable to say what you feel and to be who you are. And that takes an enormous amount of, of grit and perseverance and guts. And so I just want to tell you, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate what you do and we're all better for it, man. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Dude, we could, we could talk for days, man. I'm, I look forward oh, to it. We will. <laughs> we sure will, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, we'll have all the sh- everything will be in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to push you guys. You guys are going to hear me talk a lot about uh, Go Superhuman because I, uh, it, it's definitely had an impact in in my life, and uh, I'm going to do everything I can to to spread the word and make sure that 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 is the movement that that hits. So, John, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Um, you got it, man. Until next time, everybody, get out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.